Two movies enter and one movie leaves. Today on The Great Movie Showdown, a xenophobic silverback gorilla's adopted son brings strangers to their nest, leading to his untimely death in Tarzan. Versus, the last of 500 siblings is kidnapped. His father, along with an amnesiac, must cross the ocean with the singular goal of finding Nemo. On this episode of The Great Movie Showdown. With me today are my co-hosts, as always, Matt Smith and William Goodnow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, Matt, maybe a little louder so the mic can actually pick you up. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's hop right in here today. Uh, we've got two... Uh, Two two fun movies, two kind of critically acclaimed of their time movies, and probably of other times too. Okay. Yeah. What do you want to start with? Let's. You want to guys want to start with Tarzan? Absolutely. I do want to start with Tarzan. Awesome. Oh, Matt awesome. Start with Tarzan. Give us just. Yeah, Matt has some uh, some bullet points for us. Drop those down here, Matt. Yeah, listeners, I need you guys to understand. We're going to set this up properly. Matt has been texting us. Earlier in the week, setting this up, he's been doing so much research. He's ready to just lay it on us. <laughs> ready to unload all of this. Just unzip that big throbbing just data that that unpack that, you know, drop them trousers and just slap us across our cheeks with the throbbing, veiny uh speech that is Matt. Go for it, baby. I'm ready for you. I feel like a news journalist that like is trying to write an article for a political scandal. That's how much research. Yeah. <laughs> like straight out of like all the president's men or, <laughs> or the post one of those movies, just hours and hours yeah. of research. Just yes. like looking through random like sections of the library. But I actually can't handle the loincloth. <laughs> actually it was more, it was more so I watched a, a 30 minute YouTube video I was like, mm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I also kind of thought that way too. And I'm going to bring that up in the show because we're going to be talking about Tarzan. Cool, cool. Glad to see you did independent research. I don't even really remember the name. I, I don't want to like just steal this guy's content. But, but you if are. You, yeah, I'm, really, I'm not going to steal it. I'm just going to say this guy said this. What do you guys think? Okay. Uh it's like basically just type in like Tarzan music, death of Disney Renaissance. Yeah, we don't they, care. We want to hear what you have to say. Just give us some funny context, okay? You're talking about big throbby dicks for like 30 <laughs> seconds and you won't even let me. Yeah, he's <laughs> not know? wrong, Well, I mean, I got a side of the mat on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but so like when I watched Tarzan, it was my first time watching Tarzan since I watched it originally like maybe like a year after it was released and I watched it once and I was like, okay, that's a pretty good movie. But I watched it again for the second time and I feel like it hit me a little bit different, mm -hmm. but the main topic that I want to bring up just for our first point is how it's a musical, but it's not really a musical because mm -hmm. none of the characters are actually singing. And oh my it's, God. And it's just Phil Collins singing like during montages. Yep. Yeah. And like basically he was going on where you don't really have that much of an emotional connection with these characters because mm -hmm. they're not actually saying it. 
like you have an emotional connection when the mama ape is like singing the Tarzan, the you'll yeah. be in my heart, that song. And it's then the it only just, time anyone sings. Other than yeah. That. And then, but they have like the little jazzy scat part, like where they, when, yep. when those gorillas find it. But, oh, well, yeah, I guess you could half count that. So there's two like music numbers and they all happen with gorillas. Yep. And I completely forgot about that scene that with the gorillas at the camp. I love it. It's not very memorable. It's extremely memorable. I love it. But like, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? That it's just Phil Collins singing. I honestly didn't think about that until you mentioned it, but that does make a lot of sense. It would be like the Um, equivalent of like saying the Lion King. Uh, Elton John wrote a lot of those songs. I don't know if he wrote all of them. Like what if Elton John was singing those songs and the characters weren't singing them? (laughs) Like that would be kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wonder why that is for this movie, because it does it does have a fundamentally different sort of feel to it than all those other Disney musicals. And I was trying to figure out why. And I think that's that's why, because everything it feels like a bunch of montages, which is essentially what it is. You have the uh, oh, what's the song when he's like goes up in the air and spins around and then he's a grown up Tarzan. Um, is it the two? That's Hold during on. the the like the first third of the film. This is what that initiates yeah. the uh, the second act. I want to say. So and, it must have been the "You'll Be in My Heart," right? And then he like turns into like a little toddler from a baby. No, baby. no, no, no. no. You'll be in my heart. It's you'll when be. He in turns my heart from like the toddler kid. to yeah, the grown and up. It, it happens. It happens right after um, the. It must be a different song. That yeah, it's not a different song. It's it's literally after the elephant stampede and then the confrontation with Kerchak and Tarzan, yeah. and then his mom, you know, sees him trying to put the mud all on his face and he sees his reflection in the mud and everything like that. And so she explains to him, like, even though we're different, we're the same. And then That's you have scene. that cut, you have that cut yeah. with the musical cue of Phil Collins starting that song of uh, Son of Man, and then we get the montage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do really like the music in it. As a kid, I remember seeing the trailers for this all the time on yep. other Disney movies that I owned, and my parents seemed kind of into the Phil Collinsness of it. And I was like, Yes. I'm not really feeling attached to this movie at all. Um, I as a kid, maybe it's because I grew up in America where yeah. we don't we like have pants. Yeah. We don't listen to Phil Collins. Yeah, and I when would when did this take place? It was oh, it was early, early 1900s, like 1914 yeah. or something like that. Something I think probably even earlier than that. Like it might even actually be late 1800s because this is if you look at the ship, the ship had uh, it had smokestacks and sails on it, which would lead you to believe that it was one of those weird oh okay crossover periods. Because it's the 1860s when that's what it says when the couple and their infant son are shipwrecked. Okay. Off the coast. So yeah, yeah. So this would have been, I guess, like 1870, 1880. That weird period of time when ships had smokestacks and sails. Right. It was basically it's a, a hybrid. hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Um, my thoughts on 
what Matt says also provides a little bit of context because mm-hmm. Disney was in this transition, particularly on its way to the movie we, we discussed a couple episodes back, uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which is strictly not a musical at all. It's a fun adventure film with some musical cues, but mostly just plain yeah. old action adventure, right? But what you have coming out literally the year beforehand is Mulan, and it was released in 1998. Yeah. Tarzan was released a year later in 1999. So what's going on is you have all these animation films that are in production because you, you can't mm-hmm. believe that Atlantis, they made that, what, in two years? No, they had been working on it previously. So you have all these guys, these creative uh, minds hobbled together in Disney Animation Studios and they're pushing the boundaries. They're working with matte paintings, things like that. Yeah. And it all culminates in this kind of cauldron that is Tarzan, which is, you could say, like the middle child between what Mulan set up with a little bit more adult tones in this fun mm-hmm. adventure film, particularly in that uh, final scene with the villain. Uh, what is his Clayton. name? Clayton. Yeah. Um, his death scene was considered like really, really abrupt and dark for kids. Like, holy crap! Oh, yeah. So, all right, that was all set up in like Mulan because when we watch Mulan, once again, you guys and I, you know, we went in depth on the uh, village being burned down, that being a little dark for kids movies, and then Atlantis kind of drives it all home with abandoning the musical portion altogether. So what I'm saying is, Tarzan is kind of right in between because it's mm-hmm. not a Disney musical. But yet it has the same musical cues and setup with Phil Collins providing that background noise. Um, I, I can't believe I just called it background noise because I love that that music. It's <laughs> yeah, really, I was going to say really. Demeanor. I know it's so bad, but the best way I can put it is, as Matt said, there is a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. As a kid, it's so influenced what I loved in animation mm-hmm. that later on it kind of drived. And this, is, this is a huge leap for me, but everyone kind of stick with me. It, it drove my love for what would eventually become um, my obsession with with anime and what dynamic kind of sinewy animation could really do. Perfect example is the sequence that is to me iconic, or if it isn't, it should be, is his his um, action sequence, his battle with Sabor, the leopard in the tree. Yeah. Oh yeah. Time. That's, really like, dude, that's that's period. I don't care what you say. That is just fantastic filmmaking and directing in art style because it's so perfectly set up uh, with Kurt the most evil like, animal in the world. It is dude. And they, they did such a good job of setting up in the first act and the introduction. And mm-hmm. then you get this great shot of Tarzan swinging, kicking uh, Sabor away. And then they kind of face off on the ground and it, it goes up into the tree and it ends um, yeah. at first kind of, I guess you could say that first act of the action sequence. Cause remember you guys, great action scenes always have three acts. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Cause you're okay. going in guys, you're about to get schooled. First act is the initial on the ground. And then the middle portion is when they're actually on the tree. And he mm-hmm. grabs that vine and literally runs around the fucking tree, like a badass. It's amazing, dude. And then literally you have the, the little bit where Sabor kind of growls at him and he growls back as a kid. I was just, I was done. I was like, dude, he's awesome. This is awesome. And then when he, we ends up on like, I guess the moss, like underneath it, it scared the shit out of me. See the paws kind of striking through. It's like barely missing Tarzan. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Dude. It was so intense. Isn't it weird that like all the gorillas are hiding 
and they're yeah. like, oh, Tarzan, you're the weakest because we're gorillas and we're stronger <laughs> than you. But you, yeah, yeah. we'll give you a yeah. spear and a loincloth. You could go fight. Like, where was Kerchak? Kerchak wasn't backing him up at all after. No, he, he wasn't. He was probably out. too busy being angry about something. Maybe like right. Tarzan, He's too busy like, being xenophobic. Was breathing too heavy, and, and yeah. then like Kerchak just. Looked at and then immediately like, after a moment where Tarzan could get some of that Kerchak cred for killing Sabor, then you hear this gunshot off in the distance. It's like, well, mm -hmm. no time for any bonding there. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just just to bring up that whole entire thing with Sabor. Yeah. Like that little baby gorilla, their little their little kid that dies in the that's like probably the most brutal one of the most brutal deaths I've ever seen in a Disney movie. That was just pretty a little crazy. baby like running away, and then yeah. the baby, and then it's just like you'll see like the baby get snatched up, and then like start crying and getting like eaten, and then you see the mm -hmm. parent like how like how like that's the saddest thing in the <laughs> world. Like that's more brutal than any death Disney's ever done. I. I can't it also think of a more brutal one. It also seemed pretty brutal how uh, the cheetah or leopard, whatever, got into the parents' tree yeah. house. Yes. You and also, how did they manage to there? put to put that busted up ship hull and build it into a tree house with just the two of them? Best not to think about it too much. Yeah, you're not. You're not wrong. Best not to think. I about love how Kala like heard little baby Tarzan from like a half a mile away. <laughs> At least, yes. yeah, it seemed like it was the other side of Africa. Yeah, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter like, though. So I need a little baby just anywhere. It doesn't yeah. matter because when Phil Collins is singing it for you and guiding you, right? And it's that great, yeah, the like, guiding light we see, and then the pan yeah. up, the house, family. The house. yeah, that pan up is so great. Um, oh, it's a tilt up, a pan and side to side. Oh, sorry, yeah, the tilt up to, to reveal the house, and then um, you get the great reveal of Baby Tarzan, which is the mm -hmm. cutest baby in Disney history. Fight me if you want. Also, it's real quick, I want to talk about um, Tarzan's dad's facial hair. Oh yeah, like it's what like a weird choice. I was thinking about it when I saw it, and ultimate hipster. Well, but it's like in animation, you'll have these weird facial hair or in hairstyle choices that if you saw someone with that hairstyle or facial hair thing in real life, you uh, you probably would think that maybe there's there's an issue with them <laughs> in some way. I can see what you mean, because, yeah, it was like mutton chops with this weird mustache thing it was like that douchebag beard but it went under the nose instead of the chin it, it he pulls it off though yeah i liked it yeah but if you were to see it in real life i feel like it wouldn't translate as well or maybe that was a thing in 1860 i don't think so at all but more importantly is the animators were trying to get away with having him literally look exactly like tarzan but hide it a little bit with that weird facial hair oh, so they probably just used the same I yeah, because he did look like Tarzan. Yeah, literally Tarzan's face. He looks exactly like his dad, which is kudos to them that they even wanted to do that, but mm. they wanted to hide it from the audience a little bit. I also, guess. does Tarzan shave? Yeah, you know, right. Or maybe wow. it's just like me that can't grow a beard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he should also... That can't would, be possible. You saw his dad's crazy facial hair. I would think that his armpits True. would be pretty musky too. Like, right? I mean, he would basically look like a gorilla. Yeah, he would. He'd be all kinds of hair all over the place. I his, saw his chest I, hair would have reds. I saw a theory on on Reddit not too long ago, 
like a fan theory where they're saying that the reason why Tarzan had a loin cloth is because like the penis size of a gorilla compared to their <laughs> body is really small. And then like Tarzan would have a larger one and might intimidate the other gorillas. So maybe like the mom was like, hide that thing. <laughs> that, that's like a theory that they have. And like somebody made a little chart, like where it was like, like size to body ratio. Oh man. Oh, uh, maybe that's why, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Tartar or like Tarfall? What's his name? Kerchak. Kerchak. Yeah, Kerchak. Kerchak. Kerchak didn't like him at all. He's... <laughs> I'm silverback, but he was carrying that. Yeah. <laughs> right. What a oh, weird thing. I actually, as a kid, I remember not liking Kerchak's character at all. And then rewatching it, I'm like, this guy's not wrong. Yeah. He's like, on every step of the way. He's pretty much on the money. Yeah. It's like, yeah. he's xenophobic. Humans are awful. Don't go to like new places. It is, it is bad. I mean, the scientists were cool. Jane and her dad, which looks like a completely different species, were cool. Yeah. Oh, I, um, oh real quick. I have a second part for that question. Go for it. Yeah. So also in the video, it's like he's saying because like none of the characters are really singing and you don't really have an emotional connection and it's mm -hmm. not really as relevant as a lot of the other Disney movies are because you don't have that singing that they, they call that movie like the like the death of the Disney Renaissance. What, okay. what are you guys' thought about that? Um, well, this was kind of a transitional point in animation and cinema. I mean, even yep. you see you see a lot of new techniques being implemented in here that you hadn't really seen too much prior, like additional CG stuff. And there's a lot of a lot of invisible cg type things and a lot of it is still comp compositing but like in the opening bit when she has him little baby baby zan holding yep. him in her arms and the camera does those those cool like those orbital moves where yes it around them and you get all the parallax of the vines and the rocks and trees behind there some of those are 2d templates and some of them are 3d templates that they're like shifting around 100%. and then have her shift with it so they're not necessarily changing her angle sometimes they are but for the most part it's it's sort of like in the simpsons video game that they made in response to the simpsons movie when they were trying to have that 3d motion yep. but the characters still feel 2d it um, actually, prior yeah. simpsons games they looked like nightmare people yeah in 3D. I, don't, I don't want to cut you off zach but i'm gonna yeah. do it but what you were saying is exactly why I love Tarzan just from a artistic standpoint with what mm -hmm. they were doing with the animation. I've never seen a better application of pushing the boundaries of what you can do with 2d and 3d kind of blending it. Then an excuse just to have, you have characters in the jungle and yeah, you can do, you could do traditional 2d and do trees and stuff like that, but you're never going to get the shots that give you the sense of actually swinging through on right. vines or that sense of motion or depth, even, especially when you get that pan shot in the beginning, before we get the, the song where she's singing to Tarzan, or I'm sorry, no, it's during that musical number. Yeah. To him, and you're moving through each of the little uh, families, putting the kids to bed and stuff. Mm -hmm. That shot you could do in 2d, but it wouldn't have the same effect. Exactly. And it, it works so well every time, especially when you, 
we were just talking about it in that scene where um, we're getting a montage of him becoming a boy, growing into a man. That final shot of him moving through the tree, sliding down one uh, tree branch, swinging to another and jumping Which over. Which is terrifying, by the way. It is. It, it, what the bottom of his feet look like. Yeah, exactly. Or like when he slides in on his knuckles. Watch it again. I'm like, that's got to hurt because I can't imagine. Yeah. He's got some callus, dude. Those hands. Well, yeah, but to be callous, have feet that are calloused enough that you can yeah. literally Tony Hawk pro skate through the jungle on the moss and shit that's on those branches like it's nothing like it's a slick luge path yep but um just to complete my point is exactly what you were saying the this the depth of perception that you get in this film to me hasn't even been matched since they did it i almost feel like they actually moved away from it they just abandoned it all together for 3d uh, animation after this and i think atlantis i think they might have done one more i'm not entirely sure i might be wrong well so, there was emperor's new groove oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sorry but and i sure just feel like they ones. yeah you're right i'm sorry uh, princess and the frog jesus but i still don't think they did it as well as this one it was so seamless they'll actually go up against each other next episode nice oh, good. whoa Good job plugging that episode, man. Um, yeah. But you guys, just to kind of encapsulate it too, is the reveal of baby Tarzan is when she's coming up, you have the chest, you have a little bit of fabric dangling over, whatever. And that's all 3D animation that allows them to move within that space. And then you pan down or tilt down. Sorry, Zach. Good. Good catch. You tilt down to reveal baby uh, Tarzan. And he's 2D. And it, But you don't, your eye doesn't really register it too much. It doesn't distract. It just mm. looks really cool i i can't say it enough i, I watched make it. note of that that scene like her like escaping from so that, that yeah, yeah. sabor the death leopard yeah it doesn't even talk like all the other ones yeah, yeah. well also so she could hear this baby screaming from the other side of africa <laughs> and sabor who was eight feet away killing the parents didn't know there was a baby there nope and it was like, still close enough in all of that time that when, uh, what's her name, Kala gets there, they have a fight. I just want to say that uh, this is akin <laughs> to the silent car in most films where a dramatic scene is happening where a villain has a, a hero cornered on the ground and then suddenly, magically, they're they're assisted by a car that does not make sound until it's right into frame. <laughs> exactly. That's, oh, God, that's everywhere. Oh. Or the spaceship that suddenly appears. You know what I mean? You can tie this into so many different things. It's Well, I was just watching a video on World War Z today, and they made oh. a point where, like, basically a semi, you didn't even hear it until it, like, ran over a police <laughs> officer on a bike. And then they made a point in the video, like, hey, it's like they had to go through all those cars to, like, get to that. Yep. And like, because you saw the scene before and I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, that's like, yeah, you're right. That's just apartments <laughs> not communicating with each other. <laughs> or you have executives that don't care. I mean, what World War Z, <laughs> that's stupid. Like, that does, it's pretty I obvious. Mean, I know exactly what scene you're talking about, too. But that's what I mean. They do it all the time in films. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And you pick your poison. I mean, you could you could go across well, film history and they, they choose where to put in sound and you know have characters attracted. But that's besides the point zach made an excellent point they they kind of forgot about their own logic they they literally set up something and then they break their own rules within like which i mean minutes. not to give that as a knock on the movie cinema is a uh 
it's a deceptive medium by nature it's for the purpose of narratively speaking it's interesting sometimes you just go with the more interesting option as opposed to the more logical option what makes a better more concise story sometimes if you're just going through a movie for the simple reason of poking holes in it then you're you've probably got some kind of pent-up issues and maybe (laughs) something happened to you as a child and you need a way to work through that and you're just angry all the time i mean we do it just purely as an exercise of of analysis of films and And for like a little bit of fun but we're not (laughs) saying this movie is lesser because of that yeah Yeah. thanks yeah good save because it's like we're gonna tear these movies apart in stupid little uh leaps in logic or just abandonment altogether but i mean it's fun to laugh at those weird situations to be like oh i guess this this leopard is that inept Uh, but also weird um speaking of abandoning logic zach uh he's got calloused hands and feet. And then remember when he's jumping around the ship and he's locked in, I'm always as a kid, I'm even going, I've hit metal before it hurts. Yeah. I don't know like how he doesn't break his hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you're I mean, not he probably Tarzan. hadn't even encountered if you metal. go to the gym as much as you want. Will you'll never be Tarzan. No, I yeah. won't. I mean, I could come pretty close if I wanted to. I, can, I, I also could... love how young Turk says, Hey, if you want you want uh, Kerchak to like you, stay, stay away, away from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, by the way, let's do it. If we're talking about baby versions, um, once again, the little kid version of uh, the Tantar. The Tantar. I recorded it on my uh, my Snapchat earlier this morning too when I was rewatching the film just for that scene alone. That is one of the greatest. Are you sure bits. this water's sanitary? Oh, that whole thing. Are you or sure this water's sanitary? That it was, was annoying. To me. <laughs> oh, and I man. totally thought that elephant was a girl until like he grew he grew up and then oh he's yeah. a boy. No, he's the cowardly lion, basically. It's so brilliantly set up too. Yeah. I mean Piranhas I and I love that style of humor, dude. When you just dude. clearly have um you break the rules. So we know how animals behave supposedly you go to the zoo or you watch your your nature documentaries and oh elephants do this or whatever it doesn't matter point is when you can take this kind of office like or human i guess you could say business like manner of handling things like parents hanging out if you've ever been a parent around a group of kids playing mm-hmm. somewhere one child <laughs> coming up and interrupting the conversation with just nonsense that Mommy's doesn't losing matter. her patience yes it's so great i related so hard to it and so it only gets better as a kid i'm sorry as an adult from a child because a child is like they're on to something even then i was laughing because it's just, i related to the kid but as an adult i go back and i've literally done that before particularly with mm-hmm. my son whose nickname is petrie for this reason he always finds oh. like just he just he's just a little bit of an accident prone child who usually has something to come and bother me with when I'm in the middle of a conversation. So I just related so hard to that, that yeah. little line delivery of Tantar mommy's losing her patience. You do have a quick <laughs> note for that and, scene too. Oh, it's so great. And then the setup obviously of, you know, there are no piranhas in, yeah. and you hear him yell my butt. It's, it's perfect. It, well, also is- it's interesting that the, uh, the whole thing of oh they would know what piranhas are they would know what africa and south america yes. are but they've never seen a human oh <laughs> or a map 
I know. Oh, yeah, no, like, actually, they're native to this region. Yeah, it's, they're it's like so yeah, reading books about piranhas. Yeah. Oh, there's the word for it. The word for it is idiosyncratic. It's it's so idiosyncratic of like what yes. we would expect animals to be talking like or about, mm. and they're so f- just off putting. It's almost like early office humor or something like that. It's pretty. Yeah, it, it does feel very water cooler. Although I guess they are at the watering hole. Yes, Zach. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> I see patterns. I yeah. see patterns. Zach's so great. Zach figured it out. Pretty <laughs> okay, so I have my next note. Let's Go. do it. Let's it, drop that. It's about the song, You'll Be In My Heart. Yeah, um, it's so, a title song. Yeah, so, well, so, is it the title song? It doesn't. Well, I mean, it's the. Yeah, uh, yeah it's probably the song. like the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's so the one like, that was in the trailer. I, t- I totally thought that song was about like Tarzan and Jane. I only watched the movie once and then every time I hear that song it's like Tarzan and Jane and then like when I see the scene of like yeah. of Tarzan's mom mama gorilla yeah singing that to him and then I hear like whatever I hear that song I'm like oh that's just like it almost makes me cry like how how sweet that song is it's very sweet it is so I, good uh, as a I guess you could say dramatic note for all of our listeners. That song literally is the first song I played for both of my kids when they came into this world. I, I had to find the, the it's not on the soundtrack to Glenn Co- close um, with the slower, uh, I guess you could say tempo version of it. That's in the film is not actually in the soundtrack. I had to actually rip it off of a YouTube clip and put it in. I still have it saved in my phone. I, it's That's just, wow. it is. Cause I'm, I'm a big, Obviously, I'm a Disney fan, but also I, I'm just, I'm that much of a, how do you say, like a softy. I really enjoy it. I love that song. It, it always means a lot to me, too, because if you ever want to know what a parent actually, at least I would hope most parents feel, it's that, the sentiment in that song. It's such a sweet song. It is so, it is wonderful. Good job, Phil Collins. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. He's a legend. Oh, love that man. So, uh, one of my other notes that I have mm. is like the first time I see Clayton and see how he acts and how he talks, mm-hmm. it almost feels like they put Gaston from Beauty and the Beast and Governor Ratcliffe from Pocahontas into like, <laughs> sort of, like little villain generator. They just like put them together right. and it was like, uh, oh, Clayton just popped out. We got an English hunter. Oh, right. that is so good. He really is, too. The more I think about it, it is. That is very Gaston meets uh, Governor Ratcliffe, you said? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Pretty it's like a British Gaston, like the personality yes. of... A hundred percent. Kind of a mixture and then the body. Favorite, yeah. And my favorite scene with him is when he's trying to... If I could teach a parent to sing God Save the Queen, then I can teach this savage a thing or two. He goes, yeah. Gorilla! And fucking... He's Arden. still saying savage all the time. Yeah. And he's like... I worked yeah. with Disney being in love with that word. Tarnan. Well, I mean, it was the parlance of the time, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. That is an accurate representation of how the world sort of saw these groups. Yeah. Anytime now that I see a child, though, literally scribbling on anything, I immediately think of that scene where Tarzan goes, Gorilla. He goes, Gorilla. I can't help it. That's where my mind goes. Because yeah. that, that scene is so great. And even also with the when scene, he oh. thinks that Clayton means gunshot. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love Tarzan learning the English language. That's right. brilliant. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this he scene. Does a good job, though. 
We yeah. have to talk about the scene where uh, Tarzan meets Jane. How well yeah, that, we how do well that was done because it's after he rescues her, which is funny even in its own right. Little baby, yeah, baboon. all the crazy rabid baboons. All I can say is this: it, the scene does such a good job of having this cool action chase scene that has really great comedy in it, particularly mm-hmm. when he does the split and clearly almost snaps his dick in half. Um, <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was like that. I love that so much. <laughs> The ending, but um, the ending of when he's kind of having like a fake little bit of a little tiff with the the dad baboon, I guess you could say. I can't tell if it's the mom oh, or the yeah. dad. And he takes the picture, hands it to the baby. Uh, I, once again, that style of humor just works so well with the tone of the film. And then we get the actual introduction of the characters, and it's really Jane sweet. is amazing. Yeah, Mini Driver, yeah, man. Great. My crush from uh, Goodwill Hunting. I even thought she was really cute in that in that film. Oh yeah, she was she was good in that movie. Oh, she's so great, and she's great in this too. I I love her um her line delivery of oh, oh get 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 off. I was, I was literally about to say that we're yeah. like all joking, and then she gets further up. He gets further up the crotch. And he's like, oh, get off! Like it's yeah. all, <laughs> freaking brilliant. Oh, I love that so much. I do. I love it. And then that's the thing about Minnie Driver's voice. She has such a good range because then she mm-hmm. also has to be really sweet and kind of, uh, I guess you could say, what's the word I'm looking for? Like she, you, you have to believe that she would really fall for Tarzan and in her lines and the way she performs her lines in the, in the film when he's, I guess you could say holding her hand or like, you know, they're comparing their hands and she's enamored with him. There's the word. She's like really enamored with him, struck with him. She, I don't, I just really think she she gives one hell of a performance. I don't think there's enough credit given to voice performing. And no, awesome. she was she was really good. What is like Minnie Driver up to, by the way? I don't. I don't has she done anything after the nineties? I know she was in that terrible Joel Schumacher version of Phantom of the Opera for like five minutes before her character. Oh. Off. But other than the that, one that uh, what's his face Gerard Butler's in. Gerard- Butler doing I don't know what I don't know why he's in the movie. <laughs> not saving the president, not saving the world, not saving Phantom of the Opera. I tell you that much. For not that. saving Sparta. Oh, you guys. So, um, back to the movie real quick. What's with Tantar just kind of hanging out with the gorillas all the time and yes, not being dude. around the elephants? Um, don't you guys get the sense that maybe he's just maybe not accepted? as an elephant in the elephant. He's community. asking too many questions. Yeah, he's like, but I mean, Tantar is way more different than Tarzan and Kerchak doesn't seem to have a problem with there just being an elephant sort of chilling around all the time. No red elephant too. Yeah. Well, I guess all the other elephants were red in this anyway. Why? I don't know. <sighs> it was an artistic choice. Yeah. I've never what do you just think of Rosie O'Donnell in this. I movie? love her. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Fight me back too. Her yeah, voice I, so I thought it was a fun character. I'm oh, just like so sick of her humor. She's I think out. it was probably good in the 90s, but like I recently watched like a League of Their Own, or at least part it's of a League, of, League of Their Own. I just watched that earlier. No, was- yeah, but it's the same character, except for riding a bus with my sister. She does the same character every every damn movie. So hmm. we don't give that kind of crap to Seth Rogen or was another one that we we always see the same person from them every single I, time keanu I, reeves like come on man leave it alone some I, people have a thing Let i just don't thing. think like it's that good of a thing it's well, hard in any sense i think um, moms love that she was I love like, a fan I, or I thought, moms liked her i matt, remember my mom watched matt, her talk do me show. a favor matt do me a favor 
And for my wonderful audience, go, if you have a HBO subscription, if you have someone you can steal from, watch, uh, what was it, the Mark Ruffalo show, This Much I Know Is True. The Great Movie Showdown does not endorse piracy. Yeah, I know. Anyway, point is, thank you for the disclaimer. Watch that show. Rosie yeah. O'Donnell is uh, one of the characters in that show, and she's terrific. If you want to see her kind of spread that range and not do the shtick, she has a really great dramatic performance in This Much I Know Is True. She's really great in it. Um, that's all I can say. Stick of her being like tough New Yorker all the time. Yeah, like she's definitely not tough New Yorker. Have Queen Latifah do it because she's actually good. <laughs> but I just want to be clear: Eddie Murphy does it twice. One in a Disney movie, one in a movie making fun of Disney movies, and no one gives a shit. But Matt's on here talking about Rosie O'Donnell. I get it. You just don't like it. I don't it, think I Rosie O'Donnell's like a likable person. What? Oh, oh no, hold on. I don't know. Not like her as a person. I'm just saying. Oh. I don't think Rosie O'Donnell is something that people like look into. I think it's Donald, not Donald. Whatever. Oh, Rosie Donald. O'Donnell. I don't think it's like people. I don't think people care about her outside of the '90s. I think you don't care about her. You're just literally doing the Trump thing. We're going, well, there's some people. There's some people, you know, I'm not going to name them, but the people who say things. Matt, shut up. You know, the Great Movie Showdown endorses that. no candidate. <laughs> <laughs> no, Will, it's it's funny you say that because, uh, oh. you, you know, like the Rosie O'Donnell, Donald Trump. Yes, like, we're know, not getting into that. Let's stick to the movie. Point yeah, from like the early 2000s. Stay on Target, Matt. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we have anything else to say about Tarzan yes. before we yes, flip we it do. over to Nemo? Absolutely. I just want to talk about... Oh, um, yeah. I have a point after Will. Sorry. Okay. No, no, no. Go ahead. But um, I will just say this. Also, the film does a really good job of juggling those darker tones that lead to what we kind of... I, I dress at the end of the film with the death of Clayton. Uh, uh, it, it has a really nice kind of balancing act that it does because it starts off really light and then immediately transitions even color wise into those dark reds those deep blacks and um with with the final sequence of you know the the gorillas getting captured and tarzan you know racing to protect everyone the, the film does a really good job to me tonally it's funny because matt we talked about this movie before we started recording the show um but for everybody listening a good idea to kind of compare it to is the mummy it, it, it balances those darker kind of more violent things. It, it feels very much like an action adventure film that obviously was still married to the Disney style of implementing uh, musical cues, but and it came out the same year. Right. And so the, the, yeah. the uh, characters don't sing any of the songs. They're, they're very much more grounded, but the music clearly moves it along very nicely. And that's why there hasn't been a film like it since. To me, you, you can tell that it was kind of Disney was in a transitional period where they're moving away from the Disney musical uh, at this time. And yeah. Tarzan's very original in that aspect. It's very, very original. There's not really another Disney movie like it. There just isn't. And I really appreciate it for that. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell works really well. Her line delivery is really good, especially when she's yelling at uh, Tantar when they jump out of the water. And she has uh, where uh, he yells and goes, I've never been more alive. She goes, good, I'm going to kill you. I, I don't know why I just like that stuff. It still makes me laugh. Yeah. Also, there it's it's interesting, Matt, you were talking earlier about this, the the Phil Collins thing with no characters singing songs. But it's interesting because, so I was watching Umbrella Academy and during all of the musical bits and that, all of those montages and stuff, I feel super connected to everything that's happening in that, which Dude, is cool, Zach. I like that, which is kind of a weird 
um, juxtaposition to sort of how you feel. And I mean, you still feel a connection with the characters, but I, I could, I could agree that maybe it's not as strong as say, what's, what's one where they're actually singing, like in Mulan, you feel more of a connection to yeah. there yeah. and the characters in girl worth fighting for. Uh, Zach, just to kind of drive that feeling yeah. home is I don't think it would work for every movie. I don't think it should be like a style that every film goes for or something right. that could be experimental. But it works for Tarzan. It does. It works. Yeah. Right, right. So. Absolutely. But go ahead, Matt. You had another thing? Yeah. So I have like a, a couple more points that I... So I really think that like Tarzan making a decision like I'm human. Should I be with the humans or should I stay with my ape family? And, right. and it really like just has all those themes of should I go where I belong or should I go where like a group like they may not look like me, but they they've accepted me. At least my mom has my adopted mom. And it's yeah. just like one of those things like wh- like where do you belong? Like, should you be with people that are like you or people that care about you? And like the whole entire thing about adoption and it's kind of interesting themes and like probably like a lot more adult themes and say like since we're comparing it to finding nemo today like probably more adult themes and like finding nemo and more like yeah more more stronger themes rather than i need to find my son which is like i don't know every harrison ford movie i need to find (laughs) my family where's my you mean liam neeson yeah liam neeson as well actually zach you'll appreciate this i feel like vin diesel and the fast and furious franchise would approve this message <laughs> oh and also in, uh, also the guardians of the galaxy oh yeah he is groot yeah how do you how do you got how do you guys feel about the the other big song the strangers like me i i really do like that i, I love that I on, on, it's really good can you find me? Oh, and like the like, take my hand, and like they're going. Oh like, yeah, like, when he's doing that great that, shot, like, that, like, that, that um, might be like the most iconic scene from Tarzan, mm. where it's just like he's them really like great. slowly going up, and I think it was just like him to show her more birds. Like, yeah, yeah, something that important. <laughs> and oh, what, you mean beautiful you mean shot, aviary though. creatures aren't important, Matt? Yeah. Well, man. I mean, I won't lives matter. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, like not being able to finish your picture drawing a bird is probably <laughs> not like the biggest issue. In this. Dude, they didn't have cameras then. That's how. That's how you had to make discoveries. Yep, they didn't yep. even know that uh, apes lived in familial groups. Yeah, Matt. How do you think Darwin was able to write the theory of evolution? Yeah, dude? He had to sit there and draw all these animals. Oh god. Yeah, they had to. Right. You had to I be apologize. able to sketch. I apologize, nope. guys. I'm sorry. I retract my statement. You fucking burn, Matt. Also, just a really quick note about British explorers in general. How they've <laughs> just got to take all that shit with them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that camp. Yeah, dude. That was a lot. That's a bit much. The, he had, iron he had the the Nickelodeon thing. <laughs> Which for those of you that don't know, a Nickelodeon is like a a cartoon basically drawn on like a wheel or something and you spin it around to simulate motion. I have to do 
I have, uh-huh. to do this. I have to do this for it leaves my brain. I don't want to cut you off, but the the scene oh. where he's showing her all the pictures, he's sliding all the pictures really fast. Yeah. And someone who sees this and has really good editing styles, please insert the same sequence from it. Chapter one. When he does that. <laughs> oh, no. Don't do that. No like that. Please do that. I want oh to see God. it. Imagine. Because <laughs> like, because it has been like around forever. Uh, imagine like it's perfectly though. <laughs> imagine if like in this movie that Pennywise just like showed up randomly, just like a, a wrench, a wrench like thrown to this movie where we have all these problems with like humans attacking the apes, and then Pennywise just shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> and then I think we got a new movie there where it's like Penny, where like the humans and the apes get together to attack Pennywise. Oh my gosh, that's the next Planet of the Apes movie. The time. Oh my gosh, dude, that'd be so great. That's oh. so funny. That should be like the idea of Pennywise invading Tarzan the way that the promotional material for Stitch invaded every other Disney movie. Oh, <laughs> just ruined every iconic scene. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> It would just be interesting, like to see like the bad people and the good people. Like, okay, you'll float too. You'll float too. Except the apes, they won't float. Apes don't Uh, float. Do you know why? Why? So this is a fun thing that I learned about zoo enclosures. So they surround ape enclosures with water because apes have too much muscle mass to float. Correct. So they would just stink. Yeah. They can't. They will literally just sink, dude. There's two. Yeah. They are pure and they muscle. know, like, they don't, like, go by an accident and just. Well, I mean, they you know. don't go that deep. If you start to get yeah. deep enough to where you can't stand anymore, I guess you just walk back. Yeah. And for years and years of evolution or whatever, I guess they probably just inherently know, hey, yep. we don't need to go there. Yep. In that, in that deep part of the water. So I think we need to talk about the ending, both endings, yeah. before we close out. Like, just yeah. real quick, no big tangents, but just like... Yeah, 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 let's drop it. I think, like, the ending's really good. Like, the yeah. fight between the apes and the humans. Oh, yeah. And even, like, where they trick Tarzan. Oh, did I make my first point? I don't, I don't think I did. Let me make my first point. Um, so I think, I don't think I got into it where like Tarzan decides that he wants to be human and then dresses Mm -hmm. like a human and like breaks the heart of his mom. Yeah. That's like, that is, that's a great scene. Like you really feel that. And like, that's where you're like trying to really figure out like, is he making the right decision? Like, Mm -hmm. should he be with his race? Should he stay? And like, yeah, that seems brilliant. But anyway, um, like him getting like tricked and thrown onto the boat and that's like absolutely terrible. They're just going to like pawn him off on freak shows the whole entire time. And like, yeah. And uh, get 300 sterling pounds ahead. <laughs> these, uh, these apes. So they said 300. Oh, per ape. Oh, I thought they meant they were going to sell like tickets to go see Tarzan for 300 sterling pounds. I'm like, oh my God. Like that would, yeah, that's, that's a bit... more expensive than like anything he can. That's like Super Bowl prices, baby. What, what is, what is, let's look that up. So 19 or 1860. But it's probably going to be 1880s. 
1880s. I swear okay. it goes into like 1900s. Maybe my mind. Wait, well, I remember in the animated series, he meets Teddy Roosevelt. Huh. Granted, this could have been years before he became president because he goes on safari with Teddy Roosevelt and then Teddy Roosevelt pulls out a gun and is like, oh, what a beautiful creature. And Tarzan's showing him the jungle and then he just pulls out a gun and tries to shoot the animal. He's like, no, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, like, oh um, why, my good chap, I came to kill an animal <laughs> on safari. He's, and then him and Tarzan fight or something. Oh, man. All right, but yeah, once we've moved past this, I'm ready to talk about some Finding Dory. I'm ready to dig in. Yeah, I can't find Finding Nemo. Okay, Finding Nemo. We could just move into uh, the ending where yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like Let's... Jane and Jane's dad like decides to just like, oh, we want to just live here. Like, how believable is that? It's not believable, but it's the movie. Once again, we've already talked about how Tarzan doesn't grow hair on any part of his body except his head. Um, the gorilla can hear baby cries from half a mile away, but yet can't hear that. So, like, the leaps in logic that this film is taking is uh, even stretching to decision making to where characters are now making more of a a choice to say, you know what, we love animals. We've we've come all this way. Yeah. We just want to live here. And, two uh, worlds, one yeah, family. Like it's two worlds, one family, baby, Zach. That's right. As the song says, as Phil Collins drips that honey into our ear at the climax yeah. of that film. What I, if they ever meet I do Simba? feel like it's a little bit believable because maybe because they're so obsessed with the apes. Yeah, it definitely it feels like it was our life yeah. purpose to study the apes. Right, yep. right. So maybe they're like, yeah, sure. We'll just leave everything. Absolutely. Oh, hopefully, like, the dad doesn't have like a wife somewhere. It's, it didn't seem and, like it. Yeah. No, yeah. And poor dad, like maybe this is okay. Like, okay, I guess I'll just never find anybody else. I'll just die in this island. He's well, old. He's enough a scientist. Old. He's doing what he loves. Yeah, and he's old enough. He's probably done it all. You know, clearly he's yeah. had, he's done it because he has a daughter. So uh, there's that. I mean, yeah, we're good. Okay, so I think we're good with Tarzan. I think we are. Let's hop awesome. over to Finding Nemo Ooh. now, a movie about fish. Yes. All right. Let's just so, go ahead and get this out of the way. That opening uh, killed a lot of people's hearts. Okay, it just broke everyone's heart. That that mm-hmm. opening, that damn barracuda, that barracuda son of a bitch, killed all them babies and killed Marlon's wife like that. That was horrible. Um, yeah, but no, we're so happy together. Oh, dude, that scene. And, and notice how like Marlin was actually like a pleasant fish to be around, like to hear. Like actually yeah. seemed happy instead of like bitchy and dickish. Yeah. I, I don't that. think anyone understands at all how perfect that writing and the the vocal performances are for Finding Nemo, especially in the opening of that film. You really gotta sell it. There's a lot of setup for the emotional journey your audience is gonna be on. And to watch such a naturalistic conversation happen and i I don't even think that's a word naturalistic but point is to have two characters and i can only say this because i've been house hunting and how annoying it can be trying to find the right neighborhood with the right view a good backyard a pool no pool whatever and to watch two fish have a conversation about this was so great and such a choice that had literally never been done before in cinema to to have two fish having a very relatable conversation yeah is Until Shark Tale a year later? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what a terrible movie that is. I'm, but, I, I mean, brought that up as a joke. And then also the same thing is the reason why Pixar gets to be one of the greatest animation studios in the world is because they make brave choices. I'm sure any studio executive they make before, brave movies. Yeah, thank you. But they <laughs> made, made one. But no, I'm, I'm hold on, Matt. Hold on, because I'm trying to be very <laughs> heartfelt with this with this thing here, and I think you guys will appreciate this. As artists, you get people with lots of money who want to make safe choices. They want to do the same thing over right. and over again, rinse and repeat, and slap a new paint job on it and say, look at this product. Finding Nemo is not the work of someone trying to make a product. It is the work of artists who have something to say, who have something to do with their lives. And I mean, I would product. say it's probably a combination of... I imagine it is at some point, but that opening scene to me is something that does not get done by people who just want to make a family-friendly film. To me, it's it's more along the lines of people trying to make something bigger. Right. I mean, it's just... Well, and Pixar's know. always been about pushing the envelope and technology forward. And why not do it with their storytelling with their characters? Well, yeah, and really, really good storytelling. Let's let's not forget that. Well, no, I'm just trying to say that that mindset of pushing technology forward also mm-hmm. carries over into, I think, how they tell their right. stories. It's really just blending all of those pieces together in this mm-hmm. really amazing way. And I mean, they they nail it pretty much every time. I feel like. Yeah, but Zach, just to kind of put the nail in that, yeah. is the amount of time that opening scene actually has. I don't think it's very long, but it immediately puts you on Marlon's side for the rest of right. the film. It, they don't do it in much time. You don't need much. And it just, it works. It That's it. And you're off to the races. You're now ready to follow him no matter what. And it's great. It's, it's pitch perfect filmmaking. It's why it's now, uh, I think, an instant classic. And it's interesting that you say that because I was wondering why I felt so kind of against Marlon in the second movie. Yes. <laughs> because, well, I guess we talked about it a little bit uh, when we were talking about Finding Dory, but yep. how he's got Nemo back, he should just chill now. But yes. in this movie, they open that, it's like Nemo's 499 uh, siblings were eaten by a barracuda. His wife was eaten by a barracuda all in one instance. Also, it's weird that you like you don't move after that. But yeah, really, it's like <laughs> like like put yourself in like a human situation where your whole entire family gets murdered. Yeah, someone yeah. comes into your house with a Gatling gun and just shreds everybody, mobster style. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're still there, like five years later, taking your kid to that that their first day of school that seems like prime property too like i don't know yeah. how that works in the fish world like what do you do for like how does the economy work <laughs> how do you right. claim that anemone oral economy Absolutely. well you you'd be a clownfish for one true yeah because the whole thing about clownfish is they have to scrub on the anemone on the anemone so it keeps its uh it's weird gel on them yep and it's- that way other fish can't come in there so they can just chill in there and be like, you poopy doo anemone. Uh, and then the have... clownfish eat the gunk off the anemone. Nice. The, um, the family members that I talk to on a regular basis would be very upset if I did not quote the, the iconic scene of the little baby, uh, octopi, little octopus. Oh, girl. Pearl. Yeah. Pearl who immediately goes, Oh, you guys made me ink. <laughs> Which is this still it's, shorter it, than the other ones. Yeah, it's so great. Especially Little. when I twirl them. <laughs> hey, she's adorable. It's funny. T- 
Take your cynical those, crap somewhere else, Matt. Those kids like are a bunch kids. of I bitches. Wish... You know the what? Where he's like, oh, I'm H2O intolerant. And the other one goes, yeah. I'm obnoxious. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh there's Nemo. He's swimming out to sea. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now girlfriends around the world have to deal with guys like me who still quote Finding Nemo as I as I literally just start rubbing one butt cheek. Kayla still has to put up with that now. I go, I touched the butt. Every time. Girlfriends have to deal with that now. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Not sorry. You're not sorry at all. No, I'm not. He's not sorry at all, guys. Anyway, so um, I like Mr. Ray. I think Mr. Ray is one of my favorite characters in a Disney movie. Yes. And I just want to say that and uh, put that out there. He wasn't voiced by by Ham, was he? Is he? Right? He's the same voice, I think. No, 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 no! It's not. It's a different guy. Um, because the guy who does the voice of he him, does the school of fish. Yeah, he does. He does the uh, John Ratzenberger. Put... Yeah, the fish school. Yeah. Who does? Who is Mister Ray? Oh, Bob Peterson. I feel yeah. is that a name that's another uh, Pixar Hold movie? Hold on. Too? So Jeffrey Rush does Nigel. Yes, I. Yes, absolutely. And then oh, uh, wow, it's the voice Captain of the Barbosa does Nigel. Yeah. Which makes sense because he's an Aussie anyway. They go to Australia, so why not have an Aussie do? And Jeffrey thing? Rush and I share a birthday, July six. And Jeffrey Rush is Australian. I thought he was English. Nope. Nope. Okay, Jeffrey Rush talk is over. You guys can continue. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Rush talk is it though? Because he's a he's he's a gem. He's a treasure. I love him. I'm trying to find I, uh, some information here. Oh, well, while you do that, as... then I'll just start rambling about how wonderful this film is. Um, so Finding Nemo is the penultimate example of having a film without a villain and still having it work and function and have drama. What are you talking about? The villain's dentist. <laughs> and the Barracuda. Yeah, Darla the Barracuda. Is the villain of the film. Come on now. Um, oh, yeah. Technically, Darla. Yeah. Oh, and... yeah. No, she's no. Well, she's the uh, she's the. She would be like the Death Star. Now, if I if I had, <laughs> Will, real quick, can you think of like any other animated movies, like maybe even on our bracket that don't have a villain? Well, no, I'm 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 sure we'll get to those, but I'm just saying when you think of if I were going to give a dissertation on why mm. certain films work without a villain, dramatic wise, Finding Nemo would be the top of the list because you have the real villain of the film being the lack of communication between father and son. It is the ultimate anxiety attack of any parent of, am I preparing my child for the world? Am I keeping them safe from right. what is out there? Am I educating them enough? And it gets ratcheted up with that opening scene when, as you guys put it, 499 of his siblings die plus his mom and his dad is just absolutely obsessed with keeping this kid alive. It's the only thing he has left, quite literally. And so he overprotects him. He overcrowds him. He, he doesn't even helicopter parent. I think there's like a new word where he's like, he bulldoze parents. He like moves all the shit out of his way oh to my gosh. not impede his, his, his life at all. You know, he tries to just limit everything. Tells him he doesn't have to leave. He doesn't do this. Why don't we just stay everywhere? You know, be safe. Almost like an agoraphobe. And it, it makes sense for the yeah. film. I mean, after your 499 children and your wife get eaten by a barracuda. Right. We keep on stating 499 like it's a like it's a fact. We don't. Wasn't it? We don't know, actually. I don't think so. 
He just say all the other children. Well, because they talk about it when him and Coral look at the eggs, and it's like, oh, look at all 500 of them. No, no. Oh, was it? Okay. You're right. I think. Don't even Or it might have been 400. Or 1,000. I like this, Matt. We'll say whatever we want. I'll ratchet it up to 899 or 999. How about that? Let us sit. Well, you're being out of control right now. I, I, I honestly, I... I don't think I can continue the show with you. I you, you need to retract that statement about the 899 and 999. I that's, that's insane. That's too many children. That's you know too what, many Matt? eggs. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Matt. I miss oh, you. God. This pandemic has kept us apart long enough. I, miss you. I love you. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, which I don't know if we've ever talked about it, we actually all record this show remotely. For uh, <laughs> and We don't even get to see each other, which is... yeah. Terrible. I'm just like staring out a window. Yeah. While I talk. I miss my ginger. Well, anyway, back to back to finding Nemo. <laughs> I we just truly learned find today Nemo? that the green goblin is, is how Bill. how today you just figured that out. Oh my well, god! I haven't like watched that. the movie and like it's years. almost like William Defoe doesn't have like one of the most iconic voices in the world. Well, he, I didn't. I wasn't really when I watched this movie the first time. I wasn't really thinking about Willem Dafoe. I didn't know. I who always he was. think about William Dafoe. No, Willem. Willem. Okay, it's not William. Clearly, you don't think about him enough. Sorry. You should be. But uh, I bet his scream sorry. is pretty good. You get it? Uh, scream is pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. No, no that's more Will Ham. Uh, Will Maybe. Um, what can I? Oh see? wait, he was also in um, phone booth. Willem Dafoe. Wasn't he? Wasn't he the bad guy? That's no, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh my god. Oh, never mind. Oh, Zach, bringing the quality of this podcast down, dude. Thanks. Well, dude. anyway, so back to Finding Nemo, <laughs> the movie that we're here to talk about. <laughs> do you want Let's to talk about like... the sharks? I really like the sharks. I liked. Bring. Yes, Zach. You I... just brought up Willem Dafoe. I thought we could talk about the tank a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I definitely want to talk about the tank. Yeah, let's do that instead. Okay, go for it, Matt. Lead us on the charge of the tank. Yeah. Tell well, how do you guys tank. like the tank with all like the quirky characters? We got. The I think starfish. that they're fun. We got the I one that's the... like, is it Debbie? Is it? What's the one that's the one that has like the reflection? Uh, Deb and Flo. Flo and Deb. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Deb and yeah. Flo is pretty great. Gotta love her. Um, no, my MVP is always the, the cinematic MVP of any film she's in. Alice and Janney is Peach, the uh, starfish. Yeah. She, uh, she's amazing as all has like all the status reports right uh yes all the status reports is great and then obviously the immortal brad garrett uh as uh the puffer fish who um the really deep voice yeah. yeah what's his name i still i still love um what is his name in the movie bloat but uh bloat. his uh argument with i think it's gurgle the other fish he, he just to give you guys an example is i've never laughed harder in a film when they're arguing over the, uh, the instrument that the, the uh, dentist is using. Oh yeah. K-Flex. It's no, it's a Hemstrom file. K-Flex. It's a Hemstrom file. K-Flex. Oh, there I go. <laughs> it's just floating off. You know, yeah. I was, oh, so great. I was uh, thinking about that. It's like basically trying to be commentary on like entertainment, basically. Mm-hmm. Like this is their well, entertainment. They have. Yep. Yeah. It's the equivalent of like watching sports for us. Yes. <laughs> it's like something you don't really pick up as a kid where it's just right. like 
oh, why are they arguing over dental procedures? See, but once again, like that's what I mean that they do. They did it in Tarzan with the scene between the elephants, and then it gets expounded quite literally exponentially in Finding Nemo in almost every instance. Just to give you guys an example, one of the funniest scenes ever, 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 like every time I watch it, I still fucking chuckle galore, is the entire ocean is exploding underneath these two pelicans that are out in the ocean. And then one bubble blows up, but you know, um, pops up between them and the other one goes nice and flies away from them. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought he said like that was, or that's disgusting or something. I thought it was no, like, no, that. he just says nice. And then he flies, and flies away. It's so great. It's perfect. It's just, ah, so great. Little, little idiosyncratic bits yeah. like that, that this film introduces. I still like the shrimp. Oh, and then same thing with um, is it the what French is the shrimp? Of the other yeah, Jacques. Remember, you guys like all the pelicans are hanging out on like this dock, mm-hmm. and they're noticing. Is it what is that other pelican's name? Who's the constantly getting into trouble? Um, Nigel goes and helps him, and then gets finds out that it's Dorian. Um, Marlin. Character, yeah. Or, are stuck in his throat what is the name of that damn point is is little bits like that where he's like uh well someone ought to go help him out oh yeah <laughs> well don't everybody fly off at once and right. he goes off and little bits like that make finding nemo so great because it's that attention to nuance a little bit of like a beat there a little drop there but even like with the character bits in the tank with um willem defoe's character gill the way he encourages Nemo is such a great counterbalance right. to how he's been held back his whole life by Marlin. And you have Gil, who is just as handicapped, if not more, and he's encouraging him, saying, no, you can do it. Of course you can, Sharkbait. And, yeah, and I never really scary. got that theme before until you brought it up, to be honest. like that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Well, also, like Gil probably doesn't have the same attachment to it. Yeah, and he's also like trying to use son. him. Because he's, yeah. like, You're he's trying, trying to use him for this prison yeah. break. Yeah, 100%. But I mean, he's using him to the extent that any other person would use someone they, I hate, I hate to say it, but like, you have this kind of goal in your life to get free, yeah. you'll do anything and everything, but he won't do it at the expense of Nemo's life. I mean, you see that quite literally when Nemo is looking like if this is the end and Gil does whatever he can to save him and help um, Nemo get flushed down back to right. the ocean. And it, it, it's, I mean, what can you say that hasn't already been said about the film to me? I feel like Oh, we haven't talked about the sharks yet. I kind of yeah, like cut that off. Yeah, yeah. Zach, his his due on those sharks. Zach, you better lead the charge on this shark. So yeah, let's talk about the sharks. So uh, <laughs> the sharks are cool. I like Bruce. I like Anchor and Chum. I think it was Anchor and Chum, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. They're these goofy, these AA anonymous alcoholics anonymous sharks that just don't want to eat fish for some some weird moral reason that we don't really understand yeah but then when uh they smell blood they uh they go they go crazy and go rabid or at least bruce does yeah his eyes go black yeah go ahead there are a lot of just fun wacky characters here it's sort of like in in the good dinosaur where you're on this adventure and there's all just these goofballs along the way i don't think we've really talked about like dory yet either we have you want to you want to break down like since we already talked about the fish tank a little bit do you want to like break down each like obstacle they run into maybe 
we can. I don't try. know if we need to break down every one, but yeah, like um, the important ones, like the characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can at least break down Dory, but hold on. Before that, I do want to go a little bit more in depth with those sharks because I also yeah. love them. Bruce to me is <laughs> the greatest little bit of like a as as Zach put it. Uh, when you think of like characters meeting oddball characters, your main character being oddball characters all on along their journey. Bruce to me is the epitome of that as well, because he just seems so lovable and endearing and very encouraging and, you know, encouraging Dory to get up there and start talking about not um, ever eating a fish. And he's like, good on you, mate. And then the film yeah. takes a turn when he does get a bit of her blood. Like he sniffs it up and then immediately goes great white with the eyes going black. Right. And, it, it's just so much fun to see them play with the idea of like a shark that I guess is, is like a vegan moral. shark. Yeah. Like he just, he's a vegan shark. So what do they eat? Well, they're, they're vegetarian, I think. Okay, so yeah, I guess they just, they, they, I don't think they ever mention it. Uh, uh-uh. what I mean, the assumptions there are that clearly they might eat seaweed or other plant life. Who knows? Maybe they I don't, eat. Hmm. I, I honestly don't know. I, don't I honestly know. never really thought about it. Like, what do they eat? Huh. <laughs> it, it's it's a very very well put together uh scene that sh- would have not worked in any other film i feel like because it's such a it does it almost doesn't even move any of the plot forward except for the fact that they well they find the mask there exactly on the, and then on after that they go down to the part the, of the sub yeah yeah they find the but you know what i mean it, it, it what can i say to me it it does fit because you're trying to put Marlin in these stressful situations where remember he, he also wants to be a recluse. He, he wants to be a hermit. He doesn't ever want to deal with the outside world again. And you get to meet all these different characters. And each time there's a little bit more growth for Marlin. He has to deal with it. He also has to deal with Dory and Dory is a character. I don't think there's ever been a better foil for someone. Cause just to paint the picture for anyone listening, Marlin is this character who can't help, but remember what happened like his memory his traumatic event has shaped who he is now and he literally runs into someone who has short-term memory loss and her life is shaped by the fact that she can't remember anything as much as she tries so while marlin wishes certain things didn't happen and almost i guarantee if he asked him he could forget and maybe he thinks that you know he could keep his his son happier that way he meets dory yeah well you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry. you know if you have a, such a traumatic thing happen to you god knows you never wanted to happen and maybe it'd be better off if you forgot it and obviously he never mentions it but the point is is he's so impacted by what happened to him and the fact that he does remember what dangers are out there dory doesn't she has no clue in every sequence even when bruce is literally trying to eat them and is breaking through the door she's like hi sorry can you come back we're trying to escape yeah she, and it's right. it's wonderful it's literally living in the moment you know she is the essence of that whether she realizes it or not she because it's hard to be disappointed yeah exactly when you can't even remember what or happened. or at least not disappointed for long <laughs> it's so true and so i i have to give credit to those writers andrew stanton and uh the other screenwriters for for having that genius moment of creating dory who now is a timeless character there's nothing more to be said like i said the what a great idea to fit someone like Marlon with someone like Dory. And it makes for such a great film. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, uh, 
Thank you. You hit it. It's also interesting to um, to look at a film. I'm not really sure how to how to talk about this, but to have a film where it takes place underwater like this and the way that you have all these fun, just weird flying characters, it's probably a little bit easier to animate, actually, because your characters don't have to be connected to the ground. They can just be in space. I wonder. I I know very little about animation, so don't quote me on any of that. But I know, right? You're gonna have like animated friends like, dude, that shoe is probably the hardest thing ever. What are you talking about? Well, no, because I mean, if you think about it, the characters have a lot less bones than a human, so rigging them and then getting their general motions and stuff is probably a bit simpler. Like with fish, you have like three or four bones. Bones well, in the animate in the animator sense. Well, Zach, we're gonna get really technical. We're gonna talk about the thing that you love to talk about, or maybe what? not, is uh what is ninety percent of what making good animation is is the lighting. I oh, know I was gonna that. say rendering engines. Well, I'm rendering, joking. It's lighting. Yeah, it's definitely the light source, and that's the biggest difficulty that they had, and why mm-hmm. most uh, was so hard to animate was that we already know light does not act the same in water. It doesn't right. do the same thing. You get those cool God rays. And that's the thing. And not to mention to properly give it that, that uh, at least sense of reality. Mm-hmm. They also had to somehow animate the individual particles. Like they had to give it the, the essence that it's not just clear, perfect water all the time. They're right. Floating in it. And so the animators, I can't imagine them pulling their hair out. Well, a lot of times. So with animation and VFX, you have, different departments within that like you'll have people that specialize in rigging people that are texture artists people that uh with texturing being like the surfaces of everything and how those react and the glossiness or the matte finish that they have because things are always either glossy or matte where glossy will reflect light like a clear enamel and matte will just sort of absorb it and the light will sort of just fall off and um these are usually, especially in like a Pixar film, this would all be separate people, separate departments. And you'd have multiple people in all those departments that just work on that one thing. So you'll have people that specialize in particles and particle simulations. And that's who would handle a lot of that that stuff. They, they would do, a, I guess, fluids, technically. Um, fluids, <laughs> particles, and... Uh, like if you have clouds and stuff like that, it's usually particles, particle sims, and smoke yeah, yeah. simulations. No, I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, and then you have people that that do the lighting. Like you have a, uh, because even with these animated films, you still have like a virtual DP and lighting supervisor, right. where they basically say where the digital camera will be, and then someone to go over. Oh, this is how like you would light light things. Because it's interesting in animated films how everything has to be a conscious decision. You can't just kind of show up at a location and be, uh, well, we'll put some lights there. We'll put this there. It's like every the whole world has to be a conscious decision. Every little bit of furniture in the in the dentist's waiting room has to be modeled and textured. And the materials have to be chosen individually for all of that every bit of coral every bit of texturing on the rust of the harbor mines and the submarine all that stuff has to has to have that same physics simulation the elasticity on the back of the scuba mask 
and stuff like that, how it reacts with the world around it in both a physical sense and a, a illumination sense. Zach, I love to hear you talk about this stuff. You could, I could listen to you talk about it that way the whole time, man. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. Anyway, <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about this movie before we uh, we go to vote? I, I'm good only because... Yeah. I, I guess, like I said, I feel like Finding, Finding Nemo has been talked to death and yeah. as much... You know what? I'm going to save it for the voting, but... All right. I do have one more thing that I want to like bring up about it. So the seagulls, I just want to talk about the seagulls real quick. (laughs) So we, we sort of had, I like it where in this movie, the seagulls are basically acting how seagulls do in the real world. They're not, they don't feel highly evolved. They just feel like obnoxious nuisance creatures, which is sort of where they are. Which is similar. It's sort of like a rough, rough, bark bark where those words were meant to emulate sort of the sound they make on their own if you distort it enough hearing the seagull shout mine 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 you can uh you could feel like that's just them squawking which i imagine that was meant to emulate and it's sort of (laughs) the same way with those seals and finding dory when they're just barking at jail no 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 just yes having seal yelps oh man i i gotta admit man i'm 100 <laughs> behind you i still feel it in my soul i actually yeah. now every time i see seagulls out in the real world i think of jeffrey rush delivering that great line of your rats with wings yeah <laughs> but it's dude. also sort of freaky because the seagulls eyes in this movie they're just black dots yeah, yeah. so they feel like slightly terrifying Some kind of invasion of the body snatchers just drone oh, thing definite hitchcock vibes there <laughs> right right and it's really freaking <laughs> but anyway that was my last note for finding nemo oh absolutely matt uh, do you have any closing statements on finding nemo before we drop this bombshell and figure out if uh finding nemo will just keep swimming to uh the next round or if tarzan's just going to have to be in our heart and not in the next round of the bracket <laughs> oh god one uh should we like talk about the ending i i feel with finding nemo i've just been watching it like so often that i don't really have anything to say yeah i don't That's know okay no let's get ready to vote man let's yeah, do let's just, let's just drop our vote? vote down yeah so momentary pause zach lead us into the voting round <gasps> All right, welcome to the voting portion of the show now. This is the part when Will, Matt, and I decide which movie's going to go on the next round through a fierce panel of judgment and um, emancipation. Not the right word, but it's long enough that I think that we're ready to go to this next segment. Uh, Will, do you want to start us off with your vote for the next movie to be in the great movie showdown? I do, Zach. Thank you so much. Uh, I just want to thank everyone who uh, dealt with me my whole life to bring me to this moment where I get to decide what childhood film really influenced me and pushed me past this moment. And uh, I just want to say, Phil Collins, I'm sorry. <gasps> <gasps> Phil, no. Phil Collins, I'm sorry. Not Phil. <gasps> Fighting Nemo is is gonna, is gonna have to get my vote. I'm sorry, Phil Collins, I'm sorry. So, um... I can't believe you've done this. Speaking of Phil Collins, I do. I normally wouldn't interrupt the uh, <laughs> round, but so apparently Tarzan's 
name is John Clayton. Oh, where are we going with this? And like every other version of Tarzan, his name is John Clayton. Yeah. But in this movie, Clayton was the villain. Oh, wait, that's the last name. I think Uh, they were supposed to be like cousins in like the original movie or something like that. Oh, there Uh is something like that. I I don't remember. There's a whole lot of Tarzan movies like from the 20s and 30s. And then there's one that came out like four years ago. Yeah. From like a live action one from Warner Brothers. Yeah. Nobody really watched it. I didn't even know about it. Well, <laughs> it looks like it made almost it made 350 at the box office. It did? Yeah. Hmm. Margot Robbie was in it, Christoph Waltz. Interesting. Samuel oh, Jackson was in it. Yeah, I saw that movie. It was directed by David Yates, who made uh, the last like five or six Harry Potter films. Oh. It's it's fine. It's it's okay. You know. I mean, it looks like it's got a six out of ten. It's okay. Okay. It's well made. It's. I tell you what. It, you could watch it and really enjoy yourself watching it. But uh, Do they have Kerchak in it. No. Why not? Um, because this the plot of the film. We're really going to do this. Uh, the, <laughs> the plot of the film takes place after Tarzan went back to England with Jane. Right. Oh, uh, OK. He did not stay on the island. He went to England and then they come back to visit. And our villain, Christoph Waltz, is uh, I think he's like some kind of huge tycoon who, you know, wants to. I, I, I got to watch it again. All I know is it's Tarzan becoming tarzan yet again and kerchak's not in it because he is long since passed and it's actually uh what would have been rosie o'donnell's character who was more like a brother like family member the you know turk? childhood friend yeah but it, he's not that film uh this film doesn't have turk in it but like the equivalent is now they're the leader of the whatever family of gorillas and mm-hmm. you know that's where you get that iconic shot that's on all the posters of the film of like him fighting another gorillas because like the idea is he has to show that he can still basically hang (laughs) like he could still actually you know fight like a gorilla and still be a part of them in order to um be joined back with them in order to save uh jane and everybody because he needs the gorilla's help so yeah that's it so real quick um i'm like flipping through the uh the stuff for all of these old 1930s tarzan movies and i'm looking at like the budget and it's like 1.2 million for all of these movies and just to think wow things have just blown up because now a movie like this would be made for a hundred times that budget it's just really weird i'm sure half of that is union fees anyway <laughs> sorry matt you go on to uh to uh what is your vote for the next oh no did you vote yet i did not have you uh, you, you matt, can vote i kind of want to go last oh okay oh. Because I'm still undecided. Oh. <laughs> it's like we're at a restaurant and Matt's like, um, I'm not ready to vote. <laughs> Do you imagine like going to the voting booth for the next, uh, like at the election and uh, being like, you fill out all your paperwork and you're like, yeah, I'm still undecided. And you say that to the, the person handing you your ballot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, oh. This is tough. This is tough. It is. I feel like I feel like for technology, I've got to give it to Nemo. Yeah, I feel like I've got to go with Finding Nemo. 
I like Tarzan. I really liked rewatching it. Oh, hell yeah. There's, I'd never really watched it that much as a kid. I watched the animated series when it would just appear on Toon Disney sometimes because we used to just have to watch cable. We didn't have YouTube and stuff back then. It was just like, oh, I'm a kid. Yes, I'll watch some cartoons now. And you would just do that for. Is that what you said every time you turn on the TV? I mean, not in so many words. But yeah. So I guess I'll I guess I'll just go with finding. No, you know what? Let's change it up. No, let's go with Finding Nemo. <laughs> I think Finding Nemo is ultimately the stronger technical achievement. Tarzan has a rich history with it that I I am kind of curious to talk about more of these. Like I didn't realize there were 80 fucking Tarzan movies. I didn't realize how big of a thing it was. So would you guys say that this is the um this is maybe the most recent non-original story that Disney has taken? What? Or adapted? Like you know how all Disney oh. films are sort of adapted from some pre-existing story? Oh yeah. Um maybe, yeah. Cuz there's even in the Great Movie Ride they had a t- a Tarzan segment with Tarzan and Jane. I could see that. I could see that, but I don't know. I I haven't really thought about it because I, I mean Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote Tarzan pretty long ago, and I feel like Disney made other films animated. Maybe I'm maybe I'm full of crap. I don't know. I'd have to. Do I don't know. Like, like technically, like maybe Mary Poppins, but yeah. But it uh, well but is it's that not animated? That's not like yeah, it's not. It does have penguins. Well, part of it is animated with the part with the penguins. Yeah, true. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have Speaking to do a little of that, more. What do you guys think of uh, Saving Mr. Wright or or what is it? Saving Mr. Banks. I haven't seen it. Well, I love it. I think it was a good movie. It's a terrific. Movie. I don't think yeah. it's like really true, but just seeing Tom Hanks as Walt Disney is great, and whatever what's her face's performance. Well, Matt, are you going to drop your vote now? Yeah, like, uh, I'm kind of, I was kind of like 50-50 with Tarzan and Nemo. Yeah, it was sort of the same way, honestly. But it doesn't really matter what I pick, so uh, I guess Nemo. Because I, I think my major issue is I've been watching Nemo my whole life. Right. And like Tarzan I watched when I was younger and I just watched recently. So I'm yeah. like, I'm kind of like bored with Nemo while like Tarzan is like kind of like the hot new thing, even though it isn't. That's but sort of like how I've new, been feeling about a lot like, of these. Yeah, it's like the Disney one. Yeah, it's like new in my head. And I mm-hmm. do think like Tarzan has better themes to it, but maybe. Yeah, I want more Kerchak. Yeah, I don't think it just it probably doesn't do it well enough than like Nemo and I I guess I just gotta like ignore my my like current feelings and think of my like feelings of life about the movie. Just remember Matt, no matter where you are, Tarzan will always be your movie. And and my vote doesn't even matter. So yeah, it's fine Nemo. Well, I mean it could have mattered. But it could chose yeah. to not have it matter. 
<laughs> it's like voting Democrat in California. It doesn't matter. Oh, boy. So you, <laughs> you mean imagine? Republican in California? Either or, because it's what? just going to go Democrat anyway. Oh. Okay. Well, I guess that's oh. a I guess that's a reference. Sure, whatever. All right. Well, anyway, this has been the Great Movie Showdown. Thanks so much for joining us. It looks like Finding Nemo will just keep swimming on to the next round. And Matt, do you know what Finding Nemo will go up against? No, I don't, because we haven't decided it yet. Oh, but, who are they going up against? So this is going to be another one of our three movies, one podcast. Yeah. We're going to have Emperor's New Groove go up Ooh. against Princess and the Frog. And then the winner of that is going to go up against The Incredibles. Incredibles number one, not number two. Oh, snap. Is Incredibles 2 in our bracket at all? It is. I'm actually oh. really excited about that Incredibles matchup. Yeah. <laughs> That's like another five episodes, but that one's going to go up against Monsters U, and then the winner of that will go up against Beauty and the Beast. Oh, but I think, shoot. But I think Monsters U against Incredibles 2, like those yeah. are two unnecessary 2010s sequel sequels yeah it's weird having those pair up against beauty and the beast yeah beauty and the beast like yeah i mean (laughs) since it's pixar i guess maybe it's possible but also there was a beauty and the beast reference in tarzan when was it in the when they're at the camp there's the oh yeah mrs potts and chip yep (laughs) i remember that it's like kind of obvious like when you see yeah Yeah, they weren't trying to hide it like they tried to hide that wiener in the uh, the Little Mermaid box art. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But yeah, that should be a good show. Like Emperor's New Groove against Princess and the Frog. We yeah, yeah. Emperor's New Groove kind of like goes on with the Tarzan theme where there's going to be no music. And then <laughs> Princess and the Frog is going to be like, hey... Uh, Disney kind of sucks in the 2000s. Maybe we should try <laughs> to save this company. Yeah, people were calling it the second Dark Age. Yeah. It's absolutely... I mean, I haven't really watched a lot of the movies just because I don't want to. They're not even like intriguing, maybe, if they did have songs. Well, that seems like maybe that is concurrent with something being a Dark Age. Yeah. Like, I, I just know they're not that good, but... I think maybe like technically Lilo and Stitch is like the yeah. last like good Disney movie that you can really? maybe relate to the Renaissance. Lilo and Stitch had a very it had a very different animation style. It's like the only relevant the movie like from the two thousands that heads that looked like gourds. I no, I just think it's like the only relevant movie mm-hmm. in the two thousands that people actually like the parks actually reference. Yeah. You know that they um. The scene where he's flying the spaceship around. Yeah, the how they edited steals... that because of nine eleven or something. Yeah, it was originally a jumbo jet. Yep. That stitches flying around, and they changed it to Jumba's ship. I still haven't watched Lilo and Stitch. I'm gonna have to in about a couple weeks. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like it. And you at home might be like, "Hey, why are you doing a podcast on Disney movies if you haven't watched the movies?" And I'm like, "Well." I have nothing better to do. It's quarantine. It's a good idea. If you don't like it, make your own podcast. I'll listen to it. 
<laughs> I literally created this because I wanted to do these podcasts. I wanted to go do the brackets. So, yeah. So you people at home, all you haters. <laughs> yeah, man, we've we've been getting your emails. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, this has been the Great Movie Showdown. Be sure to check out our Twitter. Tweet at us. Tell us you hate the show, and or that you love the show, or that you hate the show, and you want us to kill ourselves. Uh, <laughs> the Great Movie Showdown wow. on Twitter. I've been saying that every week. <laughs> That's not a new thing, Will. <laughs> I think I just now paid attention to it, and that's just some dark <laughs> shit. All right. <laughs> Will realizes it like the fifth week I've said the same thing. Can you imagine, like, just one of us dies? Like, how do we continue the bracket? We just get Blake. Yeah, just get Blake. Replace Blake yeah. with any one of us, really. We Which just Blake? find a baby inside of a ship that's up in a tree that had just been murdered, where its parents had just been murdered by some kind of cougar. That really that will delay our recording process. And Zach, if you were the one that were to die, then yeah. the show's just gone because you're the one. No, I'd, I'd leave. I have a series of clues left so that you guys can figure out how to continue the show. Without <laughs> God damn it, Zach. You yeah. better not die. <laughs> You've just got to solve a bunch of riddles to get the different components to make the podcast work. Oh, no. Hidden around the entire county. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I take it this is our fade-out portion right here that we've been talking through. Yeah. This has been a Nice Throw production. Nice throw, Matt. <laughs>